When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dock and Cabin. Discover the all-new Opal Astra with its bold design, stylish looks, low running costs and innovative technology. Get ready to go further with the new generation Astra. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show today. If you want to get in touch through the afternoon, I'll just give you the usual numbers. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to give us a shout on the programme today. We've lots of chat coming your way. We have a milliner from County Meath who's heading to the States and she really is going places. We're going to talk about the banks as well, uh, cashless society. Well, it's been stopped in its tracks for the moment, but where to in the future for banking for all of us? That's coming up a little later. My Artist of the Week, Bananarama, and your two on Tuesday. I have a classic for you. And we'll be uh, looking ahead uh, through the eyes of others at the um, senior final on Sunday next, Meath against Kerry in Crow Park and on late lunch from now till Friday, we'll be talking about it each afternoon. But we begin today with a very good friend of ours. We've only talked periodically in the last six to nine months or so, and I missed him the last time I was. Uh, he was on with us on the show. I'm delighted to say hello again to the head of the Department of Biology and director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University, Professor Paul Miner. Hello, Paul. Good afternoon, Jerry. Good to chat again. Yes, yeah, sorry I missed you last time, but wasn't an irony, for, uh, Paul, that I missed you because of COVID. Yeah. It was, Jerry. I hope you recovered well. I have recovered, Paul, and thankfully I only had it for a few days and was in the clear after that. And I'm, I'm fine. Maybe a little hangover. I think, Paul, tiredness is the biggest thing afterwards. I'd have to say to you. Yeah, there's um, sort of syndrome now, uh, long COVID. It's where symptoms and some symptoms can persist, uh, you know, a long number of weeks and maybe months after initially getting COVID. And I guess the problem with, and it's called long COVID, and the problem is that. It's, it's difficult to come up with a very precise diagnosis of it. Um, so, you know, there's various estimates in terms of the percentage of people who suffer from this. But when you look at all of the symptoms, the one sort of at the top of that list is fatigue. People just, you know, feel really, really tired and chronically tired. So that that can happen and probably more research is required on that in terms of not only more precise sort of diagnostics for it, but also in terms of care. 
Lucas Age, you can't beat it, Paul. It must be old <laughs> <laughs> remedy from years ago. And I bagged it again, but we better park that for the moment. Anyway, that's just one of mine. Whenever I'm a little bit down, it gives me the lift. But uh, anyway, I'm coping well and moving on. And please, God, that will continue. Now, Paul, you're with us today because uh, there's quite a bit happening in the last 24 to 48 hours uh, as regards uh, vaccinations, etc. Let, let's, before we get into that, Australia, uh, Paul, uh, they're in their winter at the moment and you're well aware what's happening there. Hospitals are under pressure. Uh, cases are way up and they reckon they're only scratching the surface because the testing isn't, uh, you know, as robust, robust as it was previously and hospitals are busy. Is that an indicator for our autumn, winter, spring to come? Yeah, so we've, we were just after coming off, we we're coming off a wave at the moment, Jerry. So if you look in Australia, they're experiencing their wave. The, the other noticeable thing in Australia, again, that's not helping with hospitals, is their flu season flu, flu is back. Um, and it's quite significant in terms of the levels of flu. So that's something to maybe watch out for this uh, winter time. Now, again, we can't be sure, but generally what we see in the Southern Hemisphere, we see in the Northern Hemisphere during air winter. And even in terms of the vaccines that we use for flu, it's based on the strains of uh, influenza that's circulating in the Southern Hemisphere earlier on in the year. So it's something to watch out for. You know, there are a number of unknowns as we head towards the autumn and winter months in terms of what's going to happen with covid going to happen with flu so there is a certain uncertainty uh, there so with the announcement that there'll be second boosters for 50 to 64 year olds uh, for those between 12 and 49 with underlying conditions and those in long-term care healthcare workers and pregnant women is that a wise move do you think yeah it's probably a little bit surprised in terms of the timing the reason why i say that jerry is that the EMA, for example, the European Medicines Agency, they're currently considering a new vaccine. Not completely new, it's, it's a bivalent vaccine. So the vaccine that we've had so far is all based on the ancestral virus that arose and appeared with us back in early 2020. Companies like uh, Pfizer and Moderna, they've now produced the bivalent vaccine, which again is a mix of that original vaccine plus also an Omicron-specific uh, vaccine. And the EMA are considering that at the moment. I think they're due to make a decision around September time. There's no guarantees that that'll be better or not, but certainly that has been uh, considered. And I've seen some of the early data that the FDA has looked at in conjunction with this uh, bivalent vaccine. So I'm just wondering in terms of if, if there is a second booster and then a new vaccine arises, arrives and is approved in the autumn time, is it going to be a situation then we're going to be looking at a third booster? And part of the recommendation from NIAC that was accepted last week also was the recommendation for the third booster for those over 65. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not personally, Jerry, I'm not convinced in terms of the, the vaccines, first of all, I want to emphasize, are doing a really good job in terms of protecting against serious illness. It's always really important to say that. And in terms of the over 65-year-olds who've already got their second booster, does work really well as well because even with the wave that we've just seen we haven't seen translation into very high ICU numbers. In terms of the age groups then I think it's more sort of diminishing returns in terms of the value you get especially from the same vaccine that we've continued to use over and over and the reason why I say that is because we've just come through a wave of this Omicron subvariant BA5 
And you'll probably be aware, probably including yourself, Jerry, mm. where people have ended up getting infected even though they have been vaccinated and yes. had their booster. Uh, most people, thankfully, end up with a very mild illness. The reason is that the vaccines are protecting us against serious illness. But the ordinary vaccines, they haven't, they're not doing a very good job in terms of protecting us against infection or mild illness. And the reason there is because the antibodies that we produce in response to the vaccine that we currently use, the current Omicron subvariants are very good at subverting that and getting around those antibodies. And that's the reason why we're susceptible to infection. So the question you have to ask then is why are you giving a second booster of the same vaccine? Is it protecting against serious illness? But the vaccines we have already and the two doses plus the booster, they're really doing a very good job in terms of protecting us against serious illness. There is some data from the CDC in the US suggesting that the second booster does help in the over 50-year-olds. But that was against the first subvariant of Omicron, BA1, not the present ones that we've uh, experienced. And also, it doesn't stratify that above the 50 age group. For example, we've already given second boosters to the over 65 for most of the illness probably would have happened if they weren't got the second booster. So I'm not convinced mass boosting, Jerry, is, is the way forward. I don't think we can continue to boost, especially with the same vaccine that we've been using. I think we need to probably change that. I also think we probably need to look at a change in technology. There's currently 12 clinical trials, for example, on nasal vaccines and evaluating their potential to intervene and to interrupt the transmission of the virus and protect against infection. I think that's what we need to be looking at. And even with that, that's a very big challenge. It's very difficult to come up with a vaccine that protects against infection from a respiratory virus. Other vaccines work better. For example, the measles vaccine gives you protection from life. But there's a big difference there because the measles virus, part of its life cycle is in the bloodstream, whereas this one is really a respiratory virus. Even even though it can get inside the body, the primary side of infection and where it acts is in the respiratory system. And it's very difficult to protect against Mm. infection. With, with, with the vaccine. So it, the question I always come back to is why we do, do, what are we trying to achieve here? Are we trying to stop waves? And we've just seen, for example, with this BA5 wave, that we haven't been able to stop that, even with you know the high uptake of the vaccines. Yes. I'm not convinced that another round of boosting and boosting every three or four months, first of all, I don't think it's practical. And secondly, I don't think it's going to protect against infection. I think we need new vaccines and new technologies in terms of trying to address that challenge. Mm. So you'd hold fire, wait a little longer and see what develops. I don't like to put people off because I'm a big proponent of uh, vaccines and and how well they they work. But I think we we, we need to see, I haven't seen like very convincing data yet showing the the need for, especially younger age groups, the need for a second booster. And I Mm. think the focus maybe should be in terms of enhancing the vaccines and producing better vaccines and whether that's achievable or not remains to be seen. Mm, that's uh, interesting indeed. Um, you'll also hear it said that getting infected like I have been, and I take it it was with, with the BA4 or BA5, yeah. is, uh, will offer, you know, maybe better protection. Am I or my ilk, people who are have been affected by this wave, have we an increased immunity now? And I am double vaccinated too. Oh, yeah, you, de- you definitely have more immunity. And what you have there is you've broader immunity. So the, the way I explain this is that when you get the vaccine and all the vaccines that we've used so far, they're all the same, essentially, in the sense that you're given the spike protein from the virus. 
And you can give it in different ways. So, for example, the RNA viruses gives you the RNA that's injected into the muscle in the arm. And then those cells in your muscle actually makes the spike protein. And then you make antibodies uh, against that. When you're infected by the virus, the virus contains 29 different proteins, the spike protein and 28 other proteins. Now, your immune system will now recognize all those 29. So that if you're exposed subsequently to a new variant, you've essentially seen the vast majority of that virus before. Even with mutations and changes, your immune system has essentially seen that before. So you've broader immunity so that if you're vaccinated, you've seen the spike protein before. But these variants can arise that change their spike protein. But it'd be very difficult for variants to arise to change all 29 different proteins. So what you have there, Jerry, is broader immunity. Even though the immunity you get from the vaccine alone is fantastic, but you've got what's called a hybrid immunity now. Your immune, your, your immune system has been triggered not only by the vaccine, but also by the virus. And that's something else I think needs to be taken into account, for example, by NIAC. They're suggesting second boosters for people even four months after infection. But essentially, by having been infected, that essentially is a boost to your immune system. And again, I think that needs to be taken into account in terms of not continuously going down this road and ignoring, for example, that people have been infected and that actually has triggered and enhanced your immunity. You spoke in recent times, I saw you quoted as well, and on TV talking about the nasal. You know, we know that children get the flu vaccine uh, yeah. nasal, uh, nasal-wise, nasal and it's much uh, more comfortable for them than, you know, the sum of an aversion to a needle, as we understand. Is that a, a, a way forward you'd like to see, or a mechanism of delivering the vaccine more widely? Yeah, so currently there are 12 clinical trials evaluating you know, the potential to use nasal vaccines. Four of them are in, in advanced phase three trials. The reason why they're working on this, because the vaccines we have are very good, they're very good at protecting against serious illness. That's what they were designed to do, and they're doing a really good job in that sense. But as I said, what the BA5 subvariant has shown us is that the RNA vaccines are not very good at protecting us against infection. And one of the reasons there, Jerry, is that to protect us against infection, we need these neutralizing antibodies. When we give an RNA vaccine, for example, in the arm, yes, you produce neutralizing antibodies, but most of them stay in the bloodstream. Mm. But that is not the primary site of infection where the virus infects us. The virus infects us in the respiratory system. So what we really need to do is we really need to get the antibodies out into what we call our mucosal system, which is out into the respiratory system, in that upper respiratory system. So the antibodies are there, so if you're exposed to the virus, those antibodies will stop the virus from infecting the cells in your respiratory system. And that's what you're trying to do, is you're trying to give this localised administration of the vaccine in the hope that those neutralising antibodies will be produced and will be secreted into the respiratory system and protect you against uh, infection. Now, it's a big challenge. It sounds easy, but in terms of the technology and triggering the immune system to make sure that they end up in the respiratory system. That is a big challenge, but nonetheless, there's numerous trials going on, as I said, like there's four of them now, close to phase three. So it'll be interesting to see, to see how that develops. From Alyssa's point of view, just before we finish, and people hang on every word you say, Paul, when you talk about these uh, second boosters that are available to people at the moment, and then you, you mentioned the, the third for 65 and older, would you take them, Paul? What's your advice on that? I, I think certainly... Jerry, I've always said, if, if over 65s 
um, you know, taking the second booster. About uh, the last figure I saw was about fifty-eight percent of people over sixty-five have taken the second booster so far. If you look at the groups who've ended up in hospital in the last wave, you have a number of people in the older age group above sixty-five, and about half of them probably haven't taken their second booster. So the booster is really good in terms of protecting you against serious illness and the reason why it's prescribed for the older age groups is because those memory cells that protect us against serious illness they tend to do wane over time mm. so the booster tends to replenish them and gives you new immunity so certainly in older age groups with a second booster yes I'd, I'd recommend in terms of younger age groups I think the, the data there isn't as compelling so far. At least I haven't seen the data uh, so far. If you have underlying conditions, maybe that gives you increased risk of severe uh, COVID. In those cases, yes, I would I would consider in those cases. But again, you know, it's up to people to make their individual uh, choices. NIAC have chosen that, and, and they've recommended and has been accepted by NEFIT or the equivalent of NEFIT now and public health that those over 65 should be offered a second booster. And those over 65, a third booster. Third booster may be the new vaccine that is currently being evaluated by the EMA that may be administered now in the autumn winter months. But again, we await that in terms of what emerges there. So it's, it's a judgment call to some extent, but I still think the vaccines that we've had so far, especially if you had the first boost for younger age groups, we've just come through a wave where we've had very high numbers of people being infected, but that hasn't translated into very high numbers, thankfully, mm-hmm. in terms of ICU. And the reason why that is because the vaccines continue to do a good job, albeit they've struggled to prevent infection from the virus. Paul, always good to hear you and talk to you on the show. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. No problem, Jerry. Anytime. Take care. That's Professor Paul Miner there, Head of the Department of Biology and Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Lots to ponder indeed. Louise, it's some sunflower, isn't it? It's huge. <laughs> it is. It's From one little seed. From one little seed has grown the most ginormous sunflower. You're probably listening and thinking, what are that pair talking about? Well, the letters in on the secret. Well, here's, there's no secret to it. Ava, my number one gardener, uh, at school this year, Louise and senior infants, they all got a sunflower seed each and they popped it into a little pot mm-hmm. in the classroom. So she came home one day because we'd sown them ourselves last year. We had four or five of them uh, in the gardens and they were lovely, but nothing on the cut of this one. Anyway, she came home and brought it to uh, Gardening HQ where we put <laughs> it into, um, uh, we transplanted it onto a bigger pot and it grew a bit more there with ourselves. And then I said to her, it needs to go to the final position now down in your house. So I got one of those, you know, those... Big pots. Big, yeah, it's a sort of Ceramic. a... Ceramic. No, it's actually no. plastic, Louise. Oh. You know, you'd get them in home store and more for holding mm-hmm. clothes or that. They're roundy with handles on them. Oh, plastic. Yeah, yeah, You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Tesco, everyone has them anyway. Well, they're a plastic bucket. I put holes in the bottom of it because I, they're handy to grow things. Mm-hmm. In, but it's a good big size. Put the sunflower in and one stake to support it. One stake to support it, a six foot cane, or oh, I better not say feet, I'm not giving that away here. It, it took more to keep it supported mm. 
the size of it. You posted it. Where is it? Just to tell listeners. Facebook. Facebook. LMFM. LMFM Facebook page. Please go in and look at this picture of Miss Ava Flynn's incredible sunflower. And Ava is tall, but this completely dwarfs her. (laughs) Oh my God. It is an incredible. It's one of the tallest I have ever, ever seen. And people were saying to me, you fed it. I didn't feed it anything. I put a little bit of food into the final container that it's in, but nothing else. We haven't been feeding it going along, just watering it well, that's all. And up, 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 up to the sky it went. Anyway, it's in full bloom at the Implants. moment. <laughs> Which? <laughs> Implants in the stem. <laughs> None of that. Didn't, didn't do anything like that. Not in that business at all. Although you have me thinking now. Yeah, anyway. I wonder is that thing Yes. Anyway. Yeah, well, it, it, it's called grafting in plants. <laughs> yes, it's grafting. <laughs> it's implants in the body. It's grafting when it comes to plant life. <gasps> Anyways, it's on our social media, Facebook page, LMFM. What we're asking you to do, tell them what we want them to do. Two things. Yes. Guess the height of it. Guess the height of Ava's sunflower. Now, we wanted, you can go... Centimetres, metres, feet and inches, whatever you want, traditional or uh, the metric, whatever you want. And whoever gets it nearest or spot on, we'll have a little gift for you here from ourselves on the late lunch. And there's a second part of it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, we just want to see other people's sunflowers. Yes. Have you sunflowers? Have you sunflowers? If you have sunflowers, take a snap and send it to us. WhatsApp it to us here, 086-1800-658. Or can they upload it or put it on the Facebook? Can They, they can, yeah. Yes. They can, they Reply can put it on the Reply to the message. Yeah. Reply to the post on Facebook with your own message and your sunflower picture. One or the other. We'd love to see the pics of your sunflower. Anyway, it's out Bigger there Bigger or now. not, we'd just love to see them. Yes, yeah. we just want to see pictures of your sunflower, whatever height or wherever they are. But this is... I tell you, for one little seed, Louise. Oh, wow, it's nearly as tall as me. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be afraid if you climbed that sunflower. I'd have to ring the emergency services because you'd be well off the ground. And I'm not saying anything about you here now. That's just the reality. It's that tall, that sunflower, really is. Anyway, well done, Ava. Congratulations on the sunflower. It's absolutely fantastic. Facebook, LMFM, have a look at Ava's sunflower and away you go. Coming up after two on the show, Colm Line is with us. He's a man, has years experience in the banking sector. Where to for banking in Ireland after the AIB cashless move that was stopped in its tracks. But taking us up to two, it's Uptown Girl from Westlife. Thanks for your messages to the show. I got my booster, Jerry. I was uh, sick in bed for two days afterwards. And that, that has happened with many people getting the vaccinations since they first arrived on the scene. Thank you for the sunflower pics. They're lovely. You say they're not as tall as last year, but it's just lovely to see the sunflowers. If you have sunflowers growing, WhatsApp them in to us. 086-1800-658. Send the pics in to us and just include your name as well. I don't know who that came from there, but if you want to pop on your name, we'd be delighted to mention you. Now, no need to remind you, AIB had to step back from the brink. Yes, you do know they were proposing a lot of their bank branches here in the North East, Louth, Mead and beyond were to go cashless, but they've pulled back 
is it only for the moment? Well, I'm delighted to say hello to my next guest because, you see, he's founder and CEO of Realex, one of the biggest online payment companies in the world. He's currently founder and CEO of Fire Financial Services. He's worked in the banking sector for years and he's a tech entrepreneur and investor. Colm Line, welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you, Jerry. Nice to be with you. And great to have you with us on the show today. I'll start from the AIB question that's still riling an awful lot of people. Honestly, Colm, is this but a stay of execution? I think what this really demonstrates is that we have an industry here, uh, the banking industry in Ireland, which is in turmoil really at the moment. It's, it's in a, 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 a state of catastrophic change, um, seeing, you know, some banks leaving, seeing other banks that were going through an application process withdraw from that process, and then seeing banks making decisions, and then seeing those banks reverse those decisions. So I think what we're seeing is is really just an industry that's in you know that's in dire straits right now, and 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 probably going to get worse to be honest, as particularly as the the Ulster Bank exit. I think the AIB issue specifically around access to cash is that there's no doubt that, and I know in other jurisdictions across Europe, access to cash has become a, a, a hot topic, if you like. And, and in some countries, um, in the UK, I know in particular, they have brought in legislation to ensure access to cash. And actually, they're bringing in new legislation so that the regulators in the UK can actually mandate certain institutions, depending on their size, their geographic presence, they can actually now mandate to them that they must retain cash services in those areas. So I think it, it, it will remain an issue, but I do believe that, um, you know, regulatory intervention potentially could see, you know, cash remaining as, as, as a, an option for people into the future. There you go. And that would be something I'm sure that would be welcomed by so many people. And if they've intervened in the UK, I'd say, well, it's something that's been, been looked at here. But power to the people. It, it was stopped in its tracks for sure. When you mention the, the turmoil that's going on there, we're really probably left column with now, what, a duopoly and no prospect of new entrants. Will anyone look at the Irish market or is this where it is for the future? I think it's gloomy, um, to be honest, Jerry. The, the, the outlook, you know, for the industry. I think it's particularly um, relevant that you know a bank that took decades to to set up their infrastructure here, that had you know branches and um, network and um, staff assistance, the whole thing. Um, for them to pull out, like it would take another bank like years to put that infrastructure in place. So it's it really is a a a, a wrenching from the industry of, of a very very large provider. And I think the, the, the consequences of that, we haven't really seen, I think, yet. I, I, I mean, the way I see it is, like, we now have a restricted choice in a market that's actually contracting quite fast. And, and so what, what, you know, what potentially could happen here is that in the past, we've talked about the lack of competition in the market. But in actual fact now, you know, this could actually, you know, if you like, um, almost evolve into an issue of access, that people will have difficulty accessing some of the financial services products that they want to because it, the competition has become so bad that, that you know, it becomes a more fundamental issue, which I would call it a crisis of, of access to these, pay, to these different financial services instruments. So I think it is, um, I think that the solution, like, and if you like, there has to be a way out of this because this isn't uncommon as banks have become big and as banks have hit crisis after crisis and then they've been challenged from a digital perspective as well. And so I think what we're going to see is, is a lot more 
of the unbundling of financial services. So in other words, instead of people and businesses going to the bank and getting all of the services that they got in the past from the bank, they'll actually end up going to multiple different providers to get different services. So they might decide to do their foreign exchange with one company, open up their account with somebody else, get a, get a loan from another bank or whatever the case might be. And it's just what's called the unbundling of banking services is something that I think we need to see accelerate and learned so that, you know, that as businesses and as consumers, we, we would be comfortable dealing with multiple providers rather than trying to get everything from the one institution as we did in the past. Mm, that's interesting, and I'm sure you're thinking about credit unions, post office and others w- w- when you mention that. I want to talk to you about robustness for a moment, because we saw what happened with the HSE when the cyber attack happened. And if you have just, say, one or two pillar banks with the majority of people in the country, uh, you know, tied into them, doesn't it leave you more vulnerable as well to that type of attack? The, the smaller the number of you know, large institutions that we have providing these services, the higher the risk. There's no doubt about that in my mind. You'll recall a couple of years ago when Ulster Bank had their technical glitch. Yes. And you might remember, and, and all the Ulster Bank customers, I think it was, was it 10 to 14 days or something? Yeah. It, was, it went on for a long time. And, and God forbid that a problem like that would happen with a smaller number of institutions in the market. So, yes, I think the systemic risk for the country has gotten higher because there are less providers in the market um, of that. That is true. And what about liquidity? And, you know, I know it's a while ago, but the ramifications roll on. You know this more than most from the crash and our banks had to be recapitalized and they teetered on the brink and where they're going to be nationalized. Have they recovered fully from that? I wouldn't say fully. I, I think that the you know the recovery is is well on the way. Obviously, as the economy picked back up again, uh, COVID obviously hit, and then the, the the war and the crisis and the, re- the looming recession. So we hop from crisis to crisis in banking, you know, and that's that's what, that that's kind of a, that's the nature of the beast in one respect. But I think you know, going back to what we were saying a minute ago, what, what we really want to see from an Irish perspective is is more indigenous firms, you know, becoming. Um, regulated to provide some of the services that the banks provide. Um, and that's what we do in FIRE, for example. We, we provide digital accounts to people. Um, we provide them with debit cards. We provide them with sterling and newer accounts, but we're not a lender. So, in other words, mm. we can compete with the bank in terms of account provision and debit card provision and payment services. And it's like many years ago, um, when, when the banks were faced with retailers when they wanted to sell online. I mean, if you were selling online now, you don't go to your bank for your payment service. Right, you go to you know Stripe and big companies like yes. that, Relex Payments. So into the future as well, I think you know businesses and consumers will say, "Well, I'm not going to go to the bank if I need a digital account. I'll go to Fire because Fire gives me a sterling and a euro account. I can open up as many as I like. I don't have to visit a branch. I can open it in, in a couple of hours online, and I can get all the accounts I need, all the cards I need, and I can integrate it into my systems, and I can do all these wonderful things in sterling and euro. And therefore, I'm going to do my payments and manage my affairs using that account." But when it comes to maybe getting a loan, I might go back to my tr- tr- traditional bank, you know. And I ho- hopefully that's... But to do that, we need to see a very much a, a coordinated effort, you know, with, within the community in Ireland, within the financial services community, to try and make sure that we create an environment where investors will come in and build companies like that that will provide these services to people, you know. Because I think people like to deal with local providers as well, you know what I mean, uh, particularly when it comes to financial services and their financial affairs. And, like, we've been regulated by the Irish Central Bank since 2010, so we, we're an Irish business, like, with offices over in the UK as well. 
So so we, we kind of get the sense that people like dealing with local providers too in this sector. So we need to see more people like coming into the market and almost like cherry picking the services that the banks have provided into the past and saying, right, we're going to be an FX provider, we're going to be an account provider, we're going to be a payment service provider, we're going to be a you know a mortgage provider, a credit provider, whatever it might be, and compete in that way. Because I think as we were saying at the start, you're not going to see a new pillar bank emerge. That's really interesting, and uh, you're throwing uh, plenty of light on the future. What about, you know, you mentioned, you know, you go online and you do this, that and the other, and banks have been, you know, encouraging us to to do most of our business in that online world, and yet there are still a a sizable number of people, as you know, Gollum, who, you know, are not into this and, and, and won't buy into whatever, but will it be a reality as time passes and time moves on that that will be the way of the world? Most people will carry out all they do, more or less, online. But still, as you said there, there will be places where you can go for certain transactions. Yes, and there's no doubt Like the digital agenda is, you know, that's a wave that all across the world, you know, like mm. the digital agenda is there, it's real. And businesses and you know, lockdown, everything accelerated that digital agenda. And so we can't deny that. And, you know, and the banks need to react to that. That does make sense. But I think in reacting to that, what, what you've what I think is needed is a, a multi-channel strategy, you know, to recognize that there are multiple different groups in society, and in particular, um, customers that, that, that mightn't, as I say, be mm. as adopted to the digital agenda as, as, as others. And therefore, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon um, institutions and indeed the regulator then to make sure that there are policies and regulations in place to protect all customers. And it, I really believe it is a you know, your right to a financial services product is a really fundamental right, you know. You need to have it. Like, you need to have access to these products in order to live, you know, and it's in order to do your business and in order to, to, to borrow, to, you know, get your mortgage and whatever else. You have to have access to these products. So it's very, very important, you know, that, that we take, as I say, this broader view. There is a retail banking review going on by the Department of Finance at the moment, and I think it's an opportunity for, for, for people to kind of maybe to input into that and to kind of think about, like, well, what, what do we see as the vision, the future of banking and banking services in Ireland and the division of banking services in Ireland and making sure that all stakeholders are, are, are considered in that review, you know. Just before we finish, will anyone else try this again or will AIB revisit this in the short term and just make a blanket announcement and say goodbye, folks? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would think that, you know, a, um, a, a gradual decline is, is probably the way that we'll see things moving into the future. We won't see so many um, uh, big shot types type stories, I think we'll see, a, you know, just a gradual decline over time. And, and like, a sensible things like the way that they've moved um, a lot of the cash services to post offices. And I know in the UK, there are institutions actually that have been created, and what they do is they now provide the cash services for multiple banks through one outlet. And that's a very clever way of doing things as well. So, so that, that way, three or four banks. But unfortunately, we don't have, as you say, the volume of banks around to kind of to bring that in. So it is, yes. a, it is a challenge, yeah. Certainly is. You've been so informative, so interesting, and I thank you for joining me today. Not at all, Jerry. Delighted to be on the show. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. That's Column Lyon there. Check them out. Fire Financial Services, a man with years' experience in the banking sector, and really looking ahead to what's coming down the tracks. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. After the break, it's time for your two on Tuesday. Your two on Tuesday this Tuesday afternoon was released on the 6th of March, 1970. And it went straight into number two in the UK charts the following week.
Now, interestingly, it made number one in America, but it couldn't make it to top spot in the UK. And you see, it was this group's final single before they split. Here it is, your two on Tuesday. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. to believe that that song didn't make number one in the UK and yes Paul McCartney quit the Beatles after that was released that was their final song together now they released uh, tracks subsequently of course now Louise before you have your speak on the one versus the two as you do each week let me tell you about the song that kept it off number one it was three weeks at number one in the UK that uh, kept the Beatles at, at the number two spot. It's from a 1969 movie called Paint Your Wagon. The movie Louise was a flop. Clint Eastwood and all, because he starred in it too. But the soundtrack was a success. And this song made it to number one. It was a one-hit wonder. seen a sight that didn't look better looking back I was born under a wandering star Mr. Lee Marvin and wandering star on your late lunch this afternoon. Now Louise I will just say this to you. It doesn't matter if you're having a note in your head when you're called to sing at a party Louise (laughs) just think of that song and get up there and give it hell, woman. It sounds like he's either part of the Little Rascals or he's singing from underneath <laughs> a table. Lee Marvin <laughs> hadn't a note in his head, but insisted on singing. A great song. Several of the songs. For a laugh. In that movie. Well, a laugh me backside. It went to number one for three weeks and kept the Beatles <laughs> off the top spot. What about that? Incredible, isn't it? I says because it made people smile. It did. Yeah. And you know, the way I was rocking from side to side there in the chair. Like in a playground. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That song does it for you. You know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? But you couldn't say that the Beatles shouldn't have been. It should have been number one, shouldn't it? It should have. It went to number one in the States. How did it not make it in the UK? And Lee Marvin did. A one-hit wonder for Mr. Lee Marvin. No wonder. (laughs) No wonder (laughs) is right. Anyway, that's your two on Tuesday for this week. Just back to the sunflower and... um, Sean, hello to Sean McArdle, great listener in Dundalk today. Sean says, hi, Jerry and Louise. I think the sunflower is around 11 foot 8 inches. That's Sean's guess for the sunflower. We're very talk- precise. Yeah, very precise, Sean. Mm-hmm. I say he's had a good look at it. We just want to clarify because there's a clarification. Here. Oh, there's the new weather woman. I'm, I, I still don't know who she is, but she's on the telly as I look up here. I'm going to find out the only fella I've ever come across that knows all the names of the weather women. You see... I don't even know one. You see, I'm an old weather watcher. Being a gardener and a fisherman and everything, you always watch the weather. And I always keep an eye on it. I know Martin King. Well, I wouldn't even rate him as a weatherman. (laughs) 
I only know the name from listening to you. Oh, Be- there's such and such. Because, there's such and because, such. Oh, new one. Oh, old one. Where's she gone? I haven't seen her in months. Martin's lovely. Don't get me wrong. Martin's lovely. But he's on, on, on version. I only rate the weather women on RTE uh, as such. I, I know I, yeah, I know most of them. Of Do you actually look at the weather? Of course I look at the weather. <laughs> and it's always great, you know. <laughs> the sun is always shining. Anyway, I'll miss that bit. Just rewind. Let me let me go back to the sunflower for a moment before I lose the path of myself. We're measuring the sunflower, Louise. This is important from its base in the container. Mm-hmm. Not the container is about, I suppose, two foot, or two and a half foot tall. We're, we're not taking that into consideration because the roots are in the container, and it was in the ground. You'd be measuring from the ground, so we're measuring from the base of the sunflower to the tip of the flower at the top. So that is what you're guessing. And if you want to check out Ava's Sunflower, it's on LMFM's Facebook page. Get your guess in. And I'll have a nice little prize for somebody come the end of the week. It's monstrous. It really is a huge sunflower. Honest to God. How we've kept it from Louise... Falling over. And it's been very windy, do you know? It was the mm. weather. The weather's been windy for three months, nearly May, June, July. Uh, it's been so windy and I don't know how it stayed. Now, I had to double stake it. I'm not, giving any, I'm not giving you any more clues. I had to double stake it. That's all I will tell you. And it's still standing and the flower is in full bloom. And the, the sunflower fields, there's one down near you. There's one down Terman Feckenway, isn't point. there? Yeah. yeah, lots of sunflowers been grown for the seeds and that at the moment. Anyway, coming up soon on Late Lunch, Sarah O'Rourke, she's a brilliant Milner, self-taught from County Mead and she is heading stateside with her creations and she's chatting to us next on Late Lunch. Now my next guest is returning to Late Lunch because she was with me one time here in the studio when she was starting out on the road and we spoke to her on the phone uh, subsequently but we haven't been in touch since prior to the pandemic, probably for good reason but I'm delighted to say hello again to Milner, Sarah O'Rourke. Hello Sarah. Hi, how are you? Great to talk to you again. Ah, great to chat to you. Well, there's been so much water under the bridge since we last spoke. And you know what? You're one of the people that would come to mind with the pandemic and the close down and everything, which are beautiful creations. You know, no racing on, no ladies days, no weddings. Obviously, you were you were in bother, were you? Oh, just a little bit. Yeah. Everything came to a standstill there for a while. But you know what? I kept going. I mm. like rebranded my brand and redid my website. I just took a few courses online and started doing workshops as well. So I did. I kept ticking over now. But at the start, it was a bit worrying. You know, it was only supposed to be two weeks and then it was nearly two years. But yes. uh, I've started to come back with a bang now. You have, you have, <laughs> and that's why you're with me today and talk about being uh, looking ahead to the coming days and weeks. It's fantastic. <laughs> but you know what? In a way, there's an ill wind. An ill wind. You were able to regroup, reassess, exactly. build your online presence. So you used the time very well. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't just kind of sit back and wait for it to kind of start up again. Um, I did this thing called um, Crafting Business Programme. So it was run by Crafting Europe and the Craft Council of Ireland. And it brought together different creatives and we got to learn from industry experts and kind of, they kind of pointed us in different directions of what's wrong with your business, how do you need to improve it. Um, so that was brilliant from that perspective. And then after that, this year, I have applied for another thing with Crafting Europe. It was an open call. And it's basically to go abroad to trade shows 
and gather information and see if you want to um, export your business with the trade shows. And 16 of us in Europe were chosen and I'm one of them. So I'm off to New York in a few weeks. Oh, you lucky duck, yeah. Uh, and, and well done to you because it, it was a, a hot competition. And as I said, you are one of a small number chosen in Europe. So what will New York open for you? What's your, what's your you know, your whole uh, modus operandi of going there? What do you hope to achieve? Find out, learn. Well, so I did showcase Ireland for the first time this year. So that opened new doors for me, first of all. So what I want to do is go over and see what the market is like, see who's over there. There's actually two trade shows that I'm going to visit and there's some Irish people in the second trade show I'm going to go to. So I need to gather the information. How do you export your business? How do you deal with customs? How do you get the stuff over to the trade show? Mm. So I've lost the questions. I want to see what area, because these trade shows are huge. I mean, the RDS is big, but these are about four or five times the size. Yes. RDS. So I need to kind of figure out where do I where do I belong as such. So I'm going to go gather all the information, see where I'd like my own stand, what section I fit into, things like that, and just come back and then gather my thoughts and then hopefully start to export to the US. So that's the 12th of August. You're heading for the Big Apple. But just heading before over. that, how are you going to keep going with all this? You're over to London for London Hat Week from the 2nd London to the House. 7th of August. This is big, isn't it? So 110 milliners entered a competition called the Hat Talk Competition and they were worldwide milliners and the top 10 were to go to London for London Hat Week and my design was chosen as one of the top 10. Great. So that was very exciting as well. So over there then during the exhibition they're going to choose the top three milliners over there as well. So it's all go at the minute. Well <laughs> we're, ke- we're keeping in touch with you just to, and with fingers crossed that you'll be in that top three. Tell us again or remind us about yourself materials wise your designs all this is your own. It's all my own so I hand make all my fabrics as well in house and once a sheet of it's um, made you can't actually make another one because it's all bespoke so that's like my niche and as well all the cut offs are reworked back into the design so it is a sustainable brand as well. And I actually started um, started out um, studying fashion when I was 17, and I actually didn't like it. So my degree's in sculpture now. Mm. So I think the sculptural elements come through in my designs. And I was there at the Dublin Maker there at the weekend, just gone as well, and got to meet loads of people that, you know, create, fellow creatives and people that really could appreciate my designs as well. So it's nice to be back out there showing off all these pieces and getting the public's response as well. You know, it's really mm. great to get back out there. In in terms of what you do and and your designs, uh, is minimal better than lots? Not necessarily. I think it depends on your personality. If you're um, quite introvert, like I, people wouldn't wear a massive big creation; they'd wear something minimal. But I mean, I can create that for you as well, mm. you know. But then I personally, I like the big pieces, the bigger the better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so once I make the statement for me personally, that I go for. But I cater for everybody, and some people say, "Oh, a hat isn't for me," but I also create beautiful tiaras and combs and hairpins as well. So it doesn't have to just be a hat; it can be little um, minimal pieces as well, or even I do bridal pieces and communion pieces. Now as well. So I've expanded my uh, mm. my line as well over the past few years. See, I, well. I worry, you see, Sarah, when I'm watching the television and the race days and uh, the big day is on, you know, for the best dressed and it's windy and these creations start yeah. to move about the big ones. You know what I'm talking about? Your heart must be in your mouth too with them. Well, this is why you see all the lovely ladies doing the lovely poses with their hands on their heads. Yes. They're just kind of hoping they're not going to take off with mm. the wind. But there is a few tricks as to how to keep the hats on your head. 
So, uh, so I think everybody kind of follows those tricks. Okay. Going away. <laughs> All right. So there, there, there are ways and means. You, you, exactly. You know when you talk about bespoke pieces and you create mm-hmm. somebody comes to you and says, "I have a wedding coming up, right? I mm-hmm. want want something for this." Is that it? One day and one day only, and that piece is just put away forever. Or is it possible, you know, to get much more wear out of it? I think it's possible to get much more wear out of it because you can always change your dress and your shoes and your accessories and still have a hat or you can add like a brooch to the hat or something and make it look different again. So it's definitely more than just a one day piece. And I found as well, people tend to borrow other people's millinery for very different events as well, which is a great thing. You know, it's not just going to sit in the wardrobe for years to come because I know myself, I've worn the same piece to different things. So I'm not afraid to do so. Plus, with the whole sustainable fashion being so popular now, why would you just wear it once? If you spent all this mm. money, why would you just wear it once? You want to show it off. Doesn't, you know? doesn't the headpiece, though, set off the outfit? It, it is the crowning glory. That's fair to say, isn't it? I think so, because I always start with my hats. And then do you? Yeah. And the outfit around it first. Okay. I know some people can be different, though, and they go with the outfit first and then plan the hat around it. But personally, I start with the hat and then go from there. What about colours? Are you into bold colours when it comes to your creations? I like the bold colour. I have a beautiful piece that was my centrepiece there at the weekend and it is red and purple and it has beautiful red and purple pheasant feathers in it as well and they're about half a metre long, the feathers. So it's wow. quite a big piece. Yeah, quite a statement piece. I think feathers feathers are something that I, I particularly love. You mentioned the pheasant there and they are a beautiful uh, feather and they can be coloured as well. But all types of feathers from the very, you know, uh, genteel feather that you can just blow with a little breath and, 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 and it, uh, you know, vibrates or whatever to the more robust one like the feather of the pheasant and beyond. You use them a lot, do you, in your creations? It depends on what I'm creating, but I do like feathers because when the wind catches yes. them, they blow beautifully. And even if mm. you're trying to fill on your designs and then the little kind of breeze goes over them, it just makes for lovely videoing and editing as well. But yeah. I do, I think feathers can set them off sometimes. And as well, I mean, you could use beading as well. It just depends, again, what your personal choice mm. is, you know, what the customer's personal choice is. But I like a little feather now, I have to admit. But not a little feather. The bigger the better, I say. Who <laughs> <laughs> am I kidding? And Sarah, what what influences you? What influences you in life and your creations? Um, I don't know. It kind of just comes to me like an epiphany, to be honest, mm. most of the time. Um, I did a show there a few weeks ago with Celia Home and Lee down in Limerick, and the theme for that was um, Bastille Day. So it had to be a French tribute because the designers were all French and Irish. So I picked the Triscoll um, symbol which is a French Celtic symbol and that's how I based my collection for that particular event around but I mean sometimes I could just look at something and like the shape and I'm like oh I wonder if I could manipulate the fabric into that it's very hard to describe the, how it all comes to me to be mm. honest it's very hard but to it describe it does but it's just, it does it does it just kind of yeah. hits me and I find the more I make the more creative I become mm. And you um, see it, obviously it. you see it in your mind's eye, do you? Or it just comes That's in, exactly you it. see it there. That's yeah. it, because I'm yeah. not a drawer, so I wouldn't draw okay. them out first. I'm yeah. a sculptor, so I make the fabrics and then I start to shape them into their shape and then it just becomes something beautiful, well, as I like to say. Well, may I say you do it beautifully. And uh, just remind listeners where they can check out you and your creations. 
It can, they can check me out. I actually have a stockist in Paris Court Town Centre in Dublin, Marion Cuddy Design Emporium. She has lots of Irish designers in there. And you can also get me on my website and social medias and it's Saradon Designs and then my website saradondesigns.com. That's right, saradondesigns.com. It's all there. So here we go. Uh, London, New York. It's only a matter of time before it's Paris and Milan <laughs> for our Sarah. I wish you well over the coming weeks. It's exciting times. All the best of luck to you and keep in touch Thanks with us. So won't you? I will do. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Not at all. Take care, Sarah. Bye-bye. That's Sarah Rook there. Brilliantly talented woman from County Mead. Sarandendesigns.com is where you'll find her. We break coming up on Late Lunch. Afterwards, I'll conclude my insurance story. If you remember a few weeks ago, Kivo Callan was in and I was telling her about the quote we got for insurance. Well, I have an update for you coming in a few moments. Oh, I just love the weekend. Absolutely fantastic. That's the group I'm talking about there in Blinding Lights. Love the weekends too when I'm off. You do too, Louise, don't you? Yes, we all love our weekends off. Anyway, the sunflower is catching people's attention and imagination. Jude sent us in a picture. See that one there, Louise? He's in Drogheda, yellow batter, and he has one, two sunflowers I see there. Lovely ones. Oh, I see ones. them, yeah. I see them. And he says they're about eight foot at the moment, Jerry, but no sign of a flower. Hour. Kathleen, hello, Kathleen's been on 11 foot 7. They've been very precise with the guesses. They are, they, yeah. But you have to be precise because this is going to be a precise measurement, I tell you. And Jean's been on to say, I think it's 12 foot, Jerry. How do you keep it standing? Oh, Jean, Jean, that's a leading question at this time of the afternoon, isn't it, at 10 to 3? <laughs> oh, it's about the sunflower. Oh, yes. Uh, well, I told you, stakes and, and ties and that as well. I keep it standing for sure. It took double stakes. I did tell you, Louise, it took double stakes to keep it standing. Anyways, keep your guesses coming for the sunflower to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or go to our social media Facebook page. Ava Sunflower is there and stick your guess on there and we'll check them all through. There's loads and loads of them at the moment. Um, Your sunflower seems to have kind of come out very early, has it? Mm, um, No. Yeah, I suppose it was sown earlier than, you know, and it's minded as well, like you do when you have it in a garden or that. For the ones in the fields, they're a bit later. Right. You'll see them in bloom now. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, August times you will. And that's the reason we care for them a little bit more. They're more sheltered. They're looked after like one child families. You know what I mean? Not like a big clan. Like they are out in the fields and there's loads of them. Look after yourself. Yes, just look after yourself there and grow up when you can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we just wanted to say Mead ladies are in the All-Ireland final as we all know on Sunday going for two in a row Kerry stand in the way and we're looking for people are there people out there is there anyone out there that's a mega mega Mead ladies fan who else Louise we want the maniac supporters we yes. want the people out there that are covering their house in green and gold and yeah done something unusual hats and <laughs> yes. writing songs and everything correct we just, if you're a Mead ladies fan and I've gone to all the games or you know, I remember one of the ladies' yeah. families that are away. Yes. Let us know. Let us know. We want to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in 0419832000. If you're a mean ladies' mega fan, if you're related to them, if you know someone who's away from home that follows them, as Louise says there, whatever your story is, get in touch with us and let us know because we're talking about it starting today on Late Lunch and continuing right through to Friday in the build-up. build the excitement. Yes, we're building the excitement ahead of the final. Now, my car insurance, Louise, okay? 
Keith O'Callaghan was in. I told her the story. Hold on, hold on, when I get my notes here because I just want to get the figures right. So, um, you're so organised. So, I am. <laughs> One of us has to be. <laughs> <laughs> Louise, I love you. Honestly, mm. honestly, it's the yin and yang, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's completely. the yin and yang that makes this thing yin yang along. No, it's a bit of paper all around me here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a pigeon with ink on its feet. That's the type of thing that, you know. But anyway, so we get there, don't we? That's the main thing. Anyway, the insurance, Louise. Uh, Miriam's car, the, the renewal came out for the insurance. Five seventy five sixty five. Louise, I nearly fell through the floor. It's huge. Because last year, the previous year, the insurance was 425. So it went up over mm. 150 euro in a year. A different car, all right. Same engine size, nothing else changed. No penalty points, nothing. So Kiva was in with us and we were talking... Were- this was one of the things we talked about. I talked a lot about insurance, uh, car and home. Anyway, she did say to me, no, nah, there's something wrong there. Most people's car insurance this year have stayed or maybe went down a can, little. Yeah, and you yeah, can vouch for that can, as well yeah. yourself. So anyway, yesterday I decided it's due this Friday. I says, I better ring Aviva. So I rang them. And 30 minutes later... <laughs> <laughs> you're safe in the hands of Aviva. If I if I heard that once, uh, yeah. you're safe in the hands of Aviva. I must have heard it a hundred times until a lady answered. Actually, somebody answered. Half an hour I was hanging on. Talked to this lady, went through everything, said, ain't renewing at that money. Not a chance. 150 up, are you joking me? Anyone I talked to, it's the same or down. So off she went and she put me on hold and she came back to me and she asked me a question. She says, um, where do you normally keep that car at night time? <laughs> you know that question. Yeah. They have to ask it in the bed beside me. No, I keep mm. the car in the drive. Yes, in the driveway of the house. Where well, it, most people. And keep she says, we, 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 the insured address. Yes, I said, at the insured, the insured address at the house. So she says, give me another minute. She went off again, came back and says, OK, Mr. Kelly, we can insure your car for €345.62. Wow. Louise, I nearly fell through the floor for a second Where time. What did you say in previous years that you kept your car? Same Beirut? place, same place, same place. Exactly, Louise. That's what was going through my head. What's going on here? Anyway, 345.62, which is 80 euro cheaper than last year and 230 cheaper and the than quote. the quote. Now, there's a lesson there for everybody. This is why mm. I tell you, do not take quotations on any of your insurance on face value. Go and challenge them. Go and shop around. I would have shopped around if there was no change. For sure, I'd be leaving them. That's a lot it. of people are put off the shopping, the shopping around purely because they are kept on hold for 30 minutes. Well, I won't deny it's annoying. They should have a karaoke on that. You know, when they leave you for 30 minutes, they should do a karaoke. Yes, they should put Lee Marvin and Wandered and Star <laughs> on the record and people won't hang on then. That's what you need yeah. to do. You need to put Lee Marvin and Wandered <laughs> and Star. People will hang on. They'll just keep singing it. No, they'll hang up. They'll they say, will. oh my God. You need to put the worst song imaginable. Sorry, Lee. I don't cowboy. mean that. Yeah, you put the, put the most terrible song. Don't put Bananarama on, our artist of the week. Because if Louise was rings up you'll never get rid of her <laughs> you love Bananarama don't you I do I never realised this but I'm actually ah. getting I'm getting stressed folks I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something I never did I know all the words I know all the dance moves she came in this morning dancing around the place to today's song and I said to myself jeez I think I'll ditch this song I've had enough there's that new weather woman back on again anyway uh, tell them about quickly your connection with Bananarama 
Siobhan Fahey. Yeah. My sister used to be her beautician in London. There you are. That's why she loved them. And, and she Annie Lennox's. Ooh. We have to interview her. We have a superstar in the family. <laughs> anyway, Banana Rama and Jaxie Kieran Mead, mega supporter, coming up on Late Lunch after three. Now, let me just tell you that we're getting lots of guesses for this A Sunflower, for Ava Sunflower. Thank you. Keep them coming to us on LMFM's Facebook page because I have something nice to send out to somebody who gets it spot on. We're doing the measuring this evening. We let you know during the week what's happening. Stephen's been on to say, I renewed my fully comprehensive insurance for €725, Jerry. Ouch! I will be shopping around next year. You should always shop around, Stephen. That's the lesson. That's the number one lesson with all renewals now. Look around, shop around. Not shopping around for my Artist of the Week this week because Louise Walsh absolutely loves them and she's getting ready to dance. But let me tell you that Bananarama made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes, they did. Why did they make it into the book? Because they had the highest number of chart entries for an all female group ever. Yes. Between 1982 and 2009, listen to this, they had 30 singles reach the top 50 in the UK singles chart. Some achievement. Between 82 and 89, they actually released three albums, Deep Sea Skiving, Bananarama and True Confessions, with a fourth following called Wow, what an album, in 1987. And they all produced a raft of successful singles, with seven of those singles becoming top five hits on the UK charts. Yet, believe this or not, none of them made it to top spot. There you go. International success followed as the girls toured extensively, belting out a wonderful set of fantastic songs and the audiences went wild the world over and with their star firmly in the ascendancy it was a huge shock when it was announced that Irish woman Siobhan Fahey who Louise's Walsh's sister looked after her hair quit the group in the spring of 1988 to be replaced well I think she was probably another Irish woman or Irish roots anyway Jackie O'Sullivan and her roots would be great if she went to Louise Walsh's sister that's for sure which saw Bananarama re-record my chosen song today with O'Sullivan on board yes a single that made it to number 5 on the US hit parade here it is Bananarama, I want you back, my Artist of the Week. And I've just, in an instant like that, changed Louise Walsh's sister's career, haven't I, Louise? Just in an yeah, instant, yeah? I think yeah. you just better look up the difference between a hairdresser <laughs> and a beautician. <laughs> What's your sister's name? Patricia. Patricia, sorry, Patricia. Patricia, Louise's sister, was beautician <laughs> to Miss Fahey in Bananarama, wasn't she? 
Yeah, don't know yeah. who did her hair. Anyway, I don't know. There's, that could be uh, Siobhan Fahey ringing in there at the moment just to clarify could that. Could be my sister <laughs> ringing in. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Point of clarification on late lunch this afternoon. You Jerry mean. Justin doesn't know what a beautician is. <laughs> never near one in my life maybe it's time to go give your sister Patricia a ring will you anyways final break of the afternoon on Tuesday's late lunch and we're starting the build up on late lunch to the All-Ireland Senior Football Final yes the girls from County Meath will take on the girls from Kerry on Sunday stay with us well, what a story Mead ladies have been from their emergence from intermediate football up to senior National League winners, All-Ireland winners, and they go back to Croke Park this Sunday to defend their senior title. And a hub for Mead football for more years, I'm sure, than he cares to remember. On Trimgate Street, Navin, is Jaxie Kiernan's, and the man himself is with me on the line. Jaxie, hello again. Hiya, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. It's lovely to talk to you once more. Well, what about this band of women? Aren't they just something else? They're tremendous, Jerry. They're actually something else. And the buzz around the place is unbelievable now here. And that's that's something very, coming from that's and it's great, but I mean they're a great bunch of girls, Jerry. Yes. Yes, they are, and you know that's something coming from you because your place has been a home of activity through the years with the senior men's team and the finals and all that type of thing. Is the excitement is is, is palpable this time round, Jaxie? I think it's as good as any time we were in the Ireland. There you I go. Think so even with the men's team, yeah, yes, the, the, the ladies are brilliant and they're getting a great following. Mm. And I mean, the, so look what they've done last year which was brilliant but this year now again they're after winning Division 1 of the league yeah. and now they're after getting to the All-Ireland final and please God next Sunday they'll retain their title mm. you know Kerry got it last Sunday they have enough now <laughs> Jaxie uh, well I, I better say it quietly because there's Kerry people listening of course they probably are they probably are know yourself, I but... wouldn't be too worried to do <laughs> <laughs> You're some man for one man. You're right. They have no, the. They... Boys. There's a great boy, yeah. Jerry. Yeah, there is, and I can hear it. Shall we hear it there in the background as well? Yeah. And you can see it with youngsters. It's bringing as well. Here's the thing: um, young women, you know, are now looking at these girls and thinking that can be me in the future. That's right. There's all the young girls that are following them, mm. and they're brilliant. Yeah. And there's a great crowd in. And tell me this, are you... Yeah, we had a few of the girls in a few minutes ago there earlier, they? but, then, but they're busy and they're all focused for next Sunday. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing, you're doing better than myself and Louise here. We couldn't get a word in edgeways with, with them. They won't talk to us in the media, but they're talking oh, to Jackson Kiernan. quiet girls. I know. <laughs> that's, hey, Jackson, that's still to pull the jersey on and, and, and away they go on the field. Ah, yeah, they're brilliant, you see, they're brilliant. Yeah. And so we're looking forward to seeing them flying next Sunday. Mm. And, 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 and Jerry and I really believe they can do it now. Are you confident? I, I'm very hopeful, yes. Two in a row. Yeah. But it'd be brilliant two in a row. Oh, and the league. Something else, and the league something trophy. Something else after coming up the whole way, you know, and yeah. so quickly. But they're a great bunch of girls, Jerry. And I think that's... Very focused that's, on everything. I think, Jackson, that's the story, where they've come from so quickly with Eamon Murray at the helm. Yeah, he's great, Eamon. He's very good and a, and a lovely man mm. and a very down-to-earth fella, Jerry. He is. I mean, there's no bullshit with him or anything. What's the sale of jerseys like, Richard? The jerseys being picked up. Ah, uh, very good, Jerry. Yeah. They're great, yeah. Mm. yeah. 
and Missy's have been very good to us now. They have made more of them for us and they're helping everybody get a jersey for next Sunday, you know? Yeah. So we'll have to show our colours in Crow Park next Sunday. Oh, for sure. For it's sure. It's great to be there on the, the, the last Sunday in July in an All-Ireland final. It's terrific to be it's there terrific. yet it's again. Terrific. It, it really, really is. While you're with me, I have to mention the new man at the helm of uh, the boys, Mr. Colm O'Rourke. What's ah, your opinion? Sure I am absolutely thrilled. Mm. Thrilled. Big I mean, appointment. I'm delighted for him. Yeah. And I want to just know that I've the opportunity to wish him the best of luck yes. and to his selectors, mm. Barry Callahan and Stephen Bray. So they were two great footballers as well as Colm himself, you know. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm delighted. It's one thing off my bucket list now. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'm telling you, Jerry, that was the one thing I wanted to see Rocky in as manager of me, and I'm delighted now that he's in. And, you know, he went for it, as he said himself, three times before and didn't get there. Ah, but sure, this is it. Isn't it great to see them now that they have the sense to give it to him now? Of course. Of course. Of course. As that famous fa- saying says, worth waiting for, let's hope. Well, worth waiting for. I think it's worth waiting for. So we're very happy and we're looking forward to Colm now. Great. And listen, yeah. Sunday, back to Sunday again. That'll be worth waiting for too. The All-Ireland Senior Final. Me, they're there again. Going for two in a row. If you want a jersey, call into Jaxie on the Trimgate Street there. If you need tickets, Ratton, he's the man. He's no, the... No, no, no tickets. The tickets are on LFTA. <laughs> I'm only trying to put you on the spot. You know I yourself. Know that, but if you want jerseys and you want... Yeah. Bunting and flags and everything. You have it there. You have, we have it here. And we have even some of the girls are coming in and out, so they're great. Great. Lovely. Listen, great to talk to you today. Good luck to everybody on Sunday and good luck to you too, Jaxie. Oh, there's a little girl coming in on Saturday to sing a song about mead. And I, yes, and would you believe it? She's joining me on the show here on Thursday. Oh, she's joining you on tour. She is indeed. She'll be on to sing for us here on Saturday. Lovely. Well, I'll mention that to her when she's with me mention on Thursday that. as well. I will yeah. indeed, Jaxie. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks very See much. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, the hum in the background. Louise, you're a Meath woman yourself. Meath and proud. Do you hear the hum in the background there in the shop? Yes, and lo- it's buzzing. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's buzzing. Great. And some well, of the he girls- was always the, the hub. Oh, he in, was. You know, even that. as a child, <laughs> I remember going, and the lads before Mass, I'd go with my dad to to you know yes. mass on a Sunday yeah. and it's opposite the church and you'd always be lined up all the lads and be always talking GAA and the matches yeah. ahead oh he's it's a legend always a central hope I, I laughed when I mentioned the tickets I knew well sure he's not but he'd always get you a ticket wouldn't he historically he would in the, in the past oh, yeah, he would yeah in if the you're past. stuck he's the man he to was attack. a great man so he was for the ticket anyway uh we are almost done here on Late Lunch this afternoon. Just to tee up tomorrow, Wednesday, midweek on the show, we have the Cathy show on Late Lunch tomorrow. Yes, Cathy Kelly is with us. The doyen of the pen and the keyboard or wherever you like. Our most loved author, Cathy Kelly, is with me on the show tomorrow. Cathy Marr is here too, a regular with us. And she's here, Louise, because of you, because you raised this last week. Out of date, you know, sun cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk, we're going to cover more than that. Sun cream, lotions, medicine as well we're going to be talking all about that because you know when you get things you put them into your cupboard as you know you leave them there they all just say 6 months yeah. or 12 months yeah. so what's sure. the story Can you remember when you bought them exactly so Cathy Mara is with us tomorrow uh, on that one we're back to Bananarama and more besides on your late lunch Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio and we're leaving you today in the company of who are we with today Louise Callum Scott Callum Scott says goodbye where are you now Five days on the free. See you tomorrow. Riding shotgun with you. 
Two hearts in the fast lane, we had big dreams in blue. Playing sweet child of mine, and I still feel that line. Where are you now? The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Grandland with its bold design, digital cockpit, high-tech features and a choice of petrol, diesel and plug-in electric hybrid. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.